Good morning. Thank you, Dave, Becky, Bruce, Phil, for that opening, for just reminding us of why we're here and drawing our, our hearts and attention to the Lord Jesus. And as we sung indeed, may our hearts be one of adoration and just our attitudes be of one that we're bringing something back to the Lord Jesus an offering to Him something that's worthy of what He deserves. One day to Christmas. For many people, I would guess that the extra food's been purchased, that the decorations are up, that the gifts have been purchased, or for the guys that there's still a whole afternoon to buy that perfect gift. We've done some good deeds up to this point. We've supported various charities. And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the holiday season, isn't it? So for some, it might sound like the Grinch who stole Christmas this morning. But before I turn your Christmas upside down, let's just open in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we do just pause and just thank you for this opportunity to gather here. We thank you that at this time of year we remember that you sent your Son to come to earth to live, to die, to rise from the dead and conquer death. And we just marvel at that incredible love that sent Jesus to earth and to the cross for us. And we thank you for it. Father, we thank you for your spirit and for your word. And as we open it this morning and take a look at it, pray that you would just guide us and draw us closer to you. Help us, Father, indeed, to return our love to you and in a way that we're offering our lives back to you for what you've given us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there anyone here who watches Christmas shows or movies at this time of year? Am I the only one? <laughs> any, any favorites out there? It's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. The star. The star. <laughs> Might have to start watching that one every year too. Any? I don't know, but you, I'll admit I've watched a, a few ones over the last weeks. Lots of them on TV, actually. And I think most of them are kind of sappy, but I watch them anyways. Only at this time of year, mind you. When you watch some of the shows that, that seem to pop up at this time of year, or the movies, what, do you, what are they kind of about? What miracles do you see in them? What are the messages about them? And while there are a few variations, the one that I've been watching or have watched in the last little while follow a few general plots. So a few examples. This up-and-coming business person is sent to a small town to take over the business. And the person gets there. They see the people living simple lives. They realize the true meaning of Christmas. They change their minds the business and the community are saved. Example, a parent is struggling to make ends meet. They've just about given up, they're discouraged, 
And then along comes somebody else who takes an interest in the children or the pets. And despite a series of missteps and clashes, they seem to come together and they fall in love, usually on Christmas Eve, and they live happily ever after. A family continues to struggle with the loss of a loved one and needs some, someone to help them through the season. Where a small town has been devastated by the loss of its main employer and everybody has lost the Christmas spirit. Until a new person comes in, starts talking to people, and just somehow rejuvenates that spirit. And then everything's good come Christmas Eve. Oh, and of course, it's implied that everybody lives happily ever after. I'm going to suggest that some people like me, maybe some of you, are open to watching movies like this for a few reasons. We like to cheer for the underdog. We like to see the happy ending. And maybe there's just something about this time of year that lets us relax and let our guards down and do something different. I'd go even further, though, and suggest one of the reasons some of us at least watch these sappy Christmas movies is that we can relate to them. Just like the characters in the movies, some people may be dealing with challenging financial situations. Some have conflicts in their families. Some may be dealing with the loss of loved ones or just looking for the right person to make life complete. Life is full of challenges, isn't it? Just as the people in these shows needed someone or something, so do we. We all need that one thing to complete our lives. We all need that one thing to fix the challenges and the situations we find ourselves in. The other ingredient that's common to these various shows was the perceived need for people to be in all the right stuff at Christmas. You have to have the right decorations, the right gifts. You have to have the right Christmas meal. And other time-honored traditions that are going to make Christmas a success. A few of these even had couples going to church. Not all of them, but... And I would guess, though, that many of us have traditions that we like to follow at Christmas, including things like singing and listening to music. Now, I don't believe in coincidences, and some of my thinking on what was going to be included in this morning messages were reinforced when I stumbled across a newspaper article the other day. And the article was pointing out inaccuracies in the traditional Christmas nativity scene and many of the carols that we sing. One of the suggestions said that Jesus is not born in December. And although I've heard some of this before, as I looked deeper into some of the, those things and others, I found it a bit disconcerting in some of the arguments people use to challenge the Christmas traditions uh, in some cases because they want to point people to true worship in other cases because it's their goal to tear down the faith and pull people away from the faith indeed there are many who would take any opportunity to convince you that 
the Christmas story is not real, that Jesus didn't come to earth, that this is just fake and it's no different from the movies you watch on TV or at the show. This is just another one of those things that's made up. And while the missing ingredient that seems to be out there might make life quote-unquote happier, that new job, that new love, that new whatever, that happiness is only temporary. There's always going to be new challenges. There's always going to be problems to deal with, whether it's at this time of year or any other. The missing thing or ingredient is not some magical Christmas spirit. It's not a new job or that special person. The missing ingredient is a relationship with the one who gave up his spot in heaven, the one that we sang about. It's Jesus. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's the key ingredient to this season that we remember and the key ingredient to life in general. Jesus said that we need to love him more than anything or anyone else. And to get this ingredient, all we need to do is accept the incredible, the amazing, the generous, the perfect, the loving, the awesome, add whatever your own adjective is, gift that God sent us through His Son Jesus. Well, Jesus doesn't promise to eliminate all of our challenges and promises. They're not going to go away. He does promise to be with us as we go through them. It's about trusting Him at all times. Let's just, um, if you have your Bibles with you, with you, turn with me please to put your fingers in Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1. Luke 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went out to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and that who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Many who want to discredit Christianity, who want to make you believe that this is just a fable, claim that many pagan legends have similar accounts of a virgin birth and that they're all fake. There are, however, a couple of important differences. As we see from the text, 
Mary agreed with God's plan. The legends, where there are similarities, usually involve some kind of a, a conquest, a sexual conquest, where some warrior type goes out and takes somebody. Huge difference. The other thing is that while the offspring were all subjected to the same temptations and things, the ones in these fables all fell short, just as we all fall short. Our Lord Jesus, however, although he was tempted in all things, just as we are, never sinned. Huge difference. Not the same. It puts Jesus in a category all by himself. It's the kind of thing that only a God can do, be tempted and not sin. Now Mary was young. She was probably a, even a, a teenager. Such so she's a teenager. And she was very poor. We're told that she was greatly troubled. She was afraid. And who wouldn't be? As we saw in the, the video clip earlier, just the reaction of when the angel came and said something like that. What would your reaction be? Timothy Keller summarizes her reaction using four points. He says, She wondered what kind of greeting this would be. In other words, she applied her thinking to what was being said. She applied her reasoning to what was being said. She didn't just, it wasn't just a blind acceptance, but it was a thought out, it was a reasoned thinking of what was being said. The second thing she did, she voiced her doubts. She said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. Something's not making sense here. Likewise, when we're not sure, there's lots of things in the Bible that I'm going to suggest we're not sure of at times. It's okay to ask questions. The third thing she did was that she surrendered totally to God. It wasn't a halfway, well... I'm not so sure, but let's kind of take a look and we'll go further. It said, no, may it be. She, she was in 100%. And then she shared the news with Elizabeth. So she reached out, she reached out to her community. Likewise, we have a church family here. We have a broader church family elsewhere. We can go out and we can touch base with each other. While we won't read the passage, I'd also note that soon after she sang what we refer to as the Magnificat, the incredible song of Mary, my soul glorifies or magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Do ours? What do you think Joseph thought of all this? Turn over to Matthew 1, please. Starting at verse 18. I'm not sure I can do it justice after what we saw on the screen earlier trying to read the same verses. Matthew 1 and 18 says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be a child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, 
do not be afraid to take Mary home to your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save all his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will be a child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. So just as incredulous as it must have been to Mary, it must have been equally incredulous to Joseph. Hmm. The angel comes down and the, and what's going to happen? This doesn't equate with the way the Jews would have saw the Messiah coming to earth. Not in human form in that respect. And we know that from the offering they gave when he was circumcised that Mary and Joseph were poor. They were peasants. Life was going to be even more challenging for them when people realized that she had gotten pregnant out of wedlock. That was a real no-no in those days. And they would have been second-class citizens or more so in the world that they already were as peasants. And you can just kind of see some of the people who may have supported them, but others kind of looking, saying, Oh, yeah. That was Mary. Yep. Look what she did. And Joseph, he still kept her. And what kind of reaction would Joseph get if he tried to explain to people who the father was? What kind of reaction do you think you'd get if you went on the street and said that? Regardless, of the challenges that we're going to fa- they're going to be faced with, Joseph's reaction was also to obey the, obey the angel of the Lord. Neither of them fully understand what lay ahead, but they're both in 100%. In Luke 2, verse 1, we read, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the ro- entire Roman world. It was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married with him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them at the inn. We know that the Bible is historically accurate. There's documented proof. Some of you might say, well... Yeah, right. They had to go over there for a census? Yeah, there is. There's documented proof that people were required to actually go and show up in person, the whole family, for a census. There is proof that there was a governor named Quirinius at that time. Nazareth at that time was probably a small hamlet, possibly akin to Pottsville. And for those who don't know where Pottsville is, I think we're kind of in it right now. It's now part of, I don't know where the exact boundaries are, it's uh, part of Porcupine and South Porcupine. Let's go back to this chapter. And as a side, earlier we heard some of the music that was uh, on the Charlie Brown Christmas, Christmas special, one of my favorite Christmas movies. 
And for those who are too young to know what I'm talking about, well, let's talk and we'll have to find you a copy. Unfortunately, ours got stuck at the best part, the part where Charlie Brown thinks everything is lost, Christmas is awful, and it's all his fault. And Linus comes up and walks up onto the stage, blanket in hand, and says what the true meaning of Christmas is about. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone upon them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and said, Glory to God in the highest and on the earth. Peace on men on whom his favor rests. When the angels left them and went into heaven, gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. The Bible itself doesn't tell us the exact date of Jesus' birth, and many have tried to calculate it. Many will tell you that it's not December 25th, and some feel that's in part because it would be inconsistent with the fact that the shepherds were out with their flocks at night. Others would assert that this date was picked because it was to counteract the birthday of the sun god Mithras, the Persian sun god Mithras, or the Roman god Saturnalia. Both of these things happened around the time of the winter solstice. However, there are those who suggest that, yes, December 25th is his birthday. And one of the arguments is that that date is consistent with a very early commentary on Daniel written around 200 AD. It's been suggested that we could get a good estimation from when the time Zacharias served in the temple. Remember, that was Elizabeth's husband. We're told in Luke 1.5 that he was the course of Abia, and so that would have been the eighth course. And from First Chronicles, we learn that that would have put him in the temple, serving. Uh, some, his service would have been somewhere around June. And Elizabeth conceived when he came out, and so that puts uh, Jesus' birth, because Jesus was six months younger than John the Baptist, sometime maybe September. Others, though, have suggested this suggestions, however, that after the exiles came back, although there, they still had the courses, some of the people ended up on different courses or different shifts, shall we say. And uh, some people feel that actually the time Zechariah was in the temple was at the Day of Atonement. In that case, that puts Jesus conception around mid-March and or mar- late March and his birth late December. It's interesting to note that the early church, although it's felt that they recognized the date, didn't celebrate the birth date of Jesus. It's, one of the notes is that the early Christians, 
strongly opposed celebrating births. People didn't celebrate birthdays. They celebrated things like death of the great people. And only those people who are kind of stuck on themselves are pagans like Herod and Pharaoh. They're the ones who celebrated birthdays in those days. <laughs> the celebration of Jesus' birth, though, seems to have started somewhere around the 4th century. And it's noted, though, that a Christian writer explained as early as 320 AD that said, We hold this day holy, not like the pagans because of the birth of the Son, but because of Him who made it. So even back then, there's arguments about this. And it's noted that the Christians even then were saying, no, 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 this is what it's all about. It's about the birth of Jesus. I didn't dig deeper to understand the nuances of the various arguments. I think, for me, what's of crucial importance, and I believe for you as well, what's of crucial importance is the facts of Jesus' birth that we read in the Bible are true, we know that, and what's of crucial importance is how we respond to what the Bible tells us. Let's take a a few more verses from Matthew's Gospel. Actually, perhaps for time we won't look too much at it, but so that after Jesus was born, the Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east have come to worship him. And then, when Herod asked, he found out that the birth happened in Bethlehem. The star guided the Magi to the place where they could find the baby, the infant. Again, one of those things, sometimes we think, well, they were there and they presented gifts right when he was born. Actually, it's likely that they presented gifts to an infant. And it's been argued that this can't be real. Stars don't behave like that. Like, when's the last time you saw a star kind of point you to somewhere and lead you right to a specific place? Well, the reality is the star could have been a recurring nova, which is seen periodically. Sometimes it's a little brighter, sometimes it's a little dimmer. And they probably come by maybe around every 10 years or so. Now, for those who are looking for it, it would have been obvious. For people like me, and maybe for people like you, it would have been just another star in the amazing picture that God has given us when we look up at the heavenly hosts. And this one, however, led the Magi to Jesus. And again, probably not a baby, but an infant. From the passages that we've been looking at, if you look at them and you look at some of the the references elsewhere in the Bible, you see that there are a whole bunch of prophecies fulfilled in here. Some of them directly relate to it, right? The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be the child. Give birth to a son. Call him Emmanuel. We talked about from Micah the fact that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah says... For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. He will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. There are references to people bringing gifts. There are numerous references to his lineage. 
just in those few verses we read about his birth. Lee Strobel notes uh, a mathematician named Peter Stoner had estimated the probability of just eight of the prophecies being fulfilled is one chance in 100 million billion. Okay, that's just eight prophecies, 100 million billion. It's been estimated that the probability of fulfilling 48 prophecies is, okay, start thinking of the zeros, a trillion, 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 13 times. That's 48 prophecies. I thought I might put it on the screen, but then I'll break my own rules because you wouldn't be able to see it because the zeros would be too small to put that many zeros even up on the screen. That's the probability, the estimated probability of fulfilling 48 prophecies. Jesus fulfilled hundreds, over well over 300 prophecies. What's the chance of that being made up? Many of us share gifts at this time of year to show love, hopefully to make the recipients happy. Uh, hopefully it's not in the expectation of getting some, something else in return. If Christmas is about celebrating Jesus' birthday, we need to make him the center of the celebration, don't we? If we don't, we're having a birthday party without the birthday boy. So, tough question from the Grinch this morning. How many of the things that we do at Christmas revolve around ourselves and how many revolve around the Lord Jesus? I'd be surprised if anybody would argue that spending time with friends and family is a bad thing. I'm sure all would agree that it's a really good thing and it's wonderful to see some friends and family here today with us. Welcome. I'm going to suggest that broadening our circles a bit more and being a little more inclusive is a better thing and making the Lord Jesus the center of discussions, of the singing, of the conversation and other aspects of our time together is the best thing we can do. As an aside, I would note that some people believe that all the Christmas traditions we go through, the celebrations, the trees, the holiday gift giving, all has pagan roots and should be avoided. I didn't dig deeper into that. It was kind of a, a wow moment when I was looking at a whole bunch of different things uh, before this morning. Uh, I'll leave that to you if you want to look deeper into that one. So what gifts did the Magi bring? Anyone remember? Gold? Frankincense. Incense? <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> Myrrh. Okay, yeah. I'm going to suggest to you they weren't birthday gifts per se. These men from the east were going to see a king. When you went to go see a king, you brought appropriate gifts or tribute and you lay it down at the king's feet. I think that's what the Magi were doing. Yes, gifts, but it was gifts for a king. Things that you did when you approached a king. Jesus wasn't a normal baby, was he? He was the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. During his ministry on earth, he referred to himself as the son of man. 
as we find in Daniel 7, 13, 14. We read, In the, my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus wasn't a mere human. He was divine. And the Bible's clear that he offended the rulers of the synagogue when he made himself equal to God by saying that he can forgive sins. He claimed to be the only way to God. He said, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, No one comes to the Father but by me. He said, Whoever acknowledges me, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. God the Father granted Jesus authority and Jesus showed that he was the second person of the Trinity of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He came down to earth in human form to live, to suffer, and to die for the sins of the world, ours included. And just when it looked like Satan had won, Jesus defeated sin and death and he rose from the dead. So the God who was up there the son who was up there with his father in heaven gave up his spot on earth he came down to earth he was born into the lowliest of families a peasant family and he is the one that God has worked his plan through isn't that amazing now we know that as we've sung Christmas points us to Easter And Jesus demonstrated who he claimed to be when he gave his life on the cross. He died, his body was laid in a tomb, and he rose from the dead. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords conquered death. There are many eyewitnesses, and his resurrection quickly became a fundamental part of what the early church believed. The disciples saw and personally experienced time with Jesus after he rose from the dead. We know from that from second sorry from Colossians two and nine that he was fully man and fully God. It says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. His deity, his death and resurrection are key for us knowing who Jesus is. So this morning we've looked at some of the similarities between some of these Christmas movies you may see at this time of year. Some of us, perhaps all of us, can see similarities in our lives. We all have challenges and we all need something to make our life complete, to make it just right. And that answer is in front of us, isn't it? It's in the true life-changing message that God sent His Son to live as a human being. Jesus never promised to take away all those challenges and our problems, but he said he'll be with us. He'll help us work through them. In Matthew 6, he said, don't worry about all this stuff, what you're going to eat, drink. I know about that. It's covered. He said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. In Matthew 11, when he's talking about just unrest in our souls, he said, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, who are weary and heavy laden. He said, I'll give you rest. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden, my yoke is light, my burden is easy. 
lean on Jesus and he'll walk us through he'll be with us through those times perhaps you're here today and not so sure about what you're hearing I would encourage you to follow the actions of the shepherds who when they were told about the good news went to see for themselves consider as Mary did she didn't she asked questions she gave it some thought she expressed her doubts and checked it out and then gave herself in 100%. If you're among those who have put their trust in Jesus, the question is, what offering are we bringing to Him today, this season, in our lives? Are we ready to give our lives 100%? Are we going to say, well, you know what, if you help me fix that part, that's good, but I'm going to keep control of this part. Jesus wants all of us. Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge said, I will try to honor Christmas in my heart and keep it all year. I have a, a little note up in my office that says, with a few things that I make sure that I try not to do when I'm in writing, I try not to do in, when I'm writing things. And one of them says, try equals lie. So don't say you're going to try to do something. You either commit to doing it and you follow through or you don't commit and you don't do it. Try is just one of those kind of weasel words that is going to get you out of it, right? So for those who have received Jesus, are we going to commit to living fully for Him? I'd ask our musicians to come back up now for a closing song and then I'm going to ask Dave to just close our time in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful to have been here today. We are reminded again that you sent us not a mighty warrior, not an angelic being, but rather yourself. You sent your son in the form of a little baby. Lord, which one of us does not warm up to a little baby? And so too you're saying, fear not, I am here for you. I love you. I have given my very best. And if God who loves us has given us his own son, how will he not freely give us all things? And so Lord, there's many of us who are looking forward to tomorrow. But we can enjoy right now, today, your presence in our lives. The greatest gift is not the one that's sitting in that big box under the tree, but rather you are the greatest one. And you have offered yourself to each one of us. If we will but open the door, surrender our heart and our home, our lives to you. Lord, We're just so grateful for your grace and your kindness. We think of the Christmas Eve service tonight. We pray that you'll bring us all back and many more so that we might enjoy once more the children's Christmas presentation. And we just thank you again for this day and for Christmas and for the celebration that the world might know that you are still here and you're still sitting on the throne. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.